Yeah, come on, O's. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, well, why not listen to this weekly podcast? And it's your official source for our lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is October 3rd, 2016, and this this is episode 183. I'm Scott Magnus. I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. Those listening to us should uh, probably be listening over to birdseyeviewbaltimore.com or at least streaming from birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also check us out. Um, at other uh, websites such as BaltimoreSportsReport.com and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Uh, third-party platforms, check us out on Google Play Music and iTunes. Please, if you are streaming through one of those third-party applications, please rate and review the show. Uh, it helps to grow the audience base, and uh, it also keeps to keep us alive during the off-season where, um, let's just say, our, 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 our viewership takes a hit is the best way to describe it. So, hey, we're glad to be uh doing this for at least for one more week and we'll, we'll go from there i am so glad that we're not dealing with the first podcast of the off season yeah that would have been so miserable yeah they, those are pretty dark um social media facebook google plus periscope snapchat instagram but most importantly twitter at birds eye view bal hey cross the four thousand follower threshold woohoo we'll actually talk about that at the end of tonight's show um about some of the specialness that might be going on with that um most important though jake Drink of the week. What are you doing this week? I am really excited about this. I uh, just picked up a new beer. It was a uh, recommendation of a friend and colleague of mine, and I am drinking the Calling IPA by Boulevard Brewing Company out of Kansas City, Missouri. This is a double India I uh, double India pale ale, a double IPA, but it's it is not your typical double IPA. Uh, it's eight eight point five, uh, and it is super smooth. This is a really really good beer uh, it comes with the highest recommendations yeah it's it boulevard brewing company is an excellent beer and i also like what you're doing here it's pretty smart of you going with a kansas city beer and drinking up some of that devil magic inside of you <laughs> really smart to really try to you know play on that well done well yeah, done it, it was a while of enjoying it before i realized it was from kansas city. yeah uh jake i'm uh i'm celebrating in style here i am doing a jack daniels single barrel whiskey uh, but it's not just the regular single barrel select uh, whiskey that they have. It is a single barrel rye whiskey uh, from Jack Daniels. Uh, highly recommended. Definitely a good sipping whiskey. I know people will, may turn up their nose a little bit to uh, Jack Daniels, but the single barrel collection that is offered by Jack Daniels is um, quite good for the price. I think for this given bottle, I think it was right around $45. Um, an excellent selection for a single barrel collection. So check out uh, the Jack Daniels single barrel collection if you get a chance. Um, with that, uh, follow us on Untapped, JKE4025 and MEGN8606. That's right. All right. With that, let's go ahead and head into the medical wing. All right, so injuries. 
Uh, I think we're actually kind of okay. Yeah, besides probably a little bit of uh, beer and champagne in the eyes and stuff like that. <laughs> that does burn. Uh, I'm sure Gary Thorne has a wrecked hairdo as of this morning. Um, I'm probably also trying to figure out you know, how he ended up in certain portions of uh, New York last night. Um, I'm really glad that Adam Jones didn't hurt himself twerking. That was... Uh that was a near thing. Well, I mean, the man stretches out. He knows how to use his um still, his, his gluteus maximus. So you cross over that thirty threshold and you start twerking. Things things go downhill yeah. real quick. That's why we've got our Richie Bansells. Uh, let's talk about something very serious as far as health is concerned. Ooh, yeah. um, pass have... the Pepto Ooh. because I think Oriole fans are uh, are struggling with this with this game upcoming. Oh, with a little stress. Yeah, I think that the the Oriole fan mental health is possibly not the best that it's been so you're putting orioles fans onto the medical wing basically absolutely absolutely all right i'm I'm worried about you baltimore all right so what kind of diagnosis and what kind of um prescription are you writing for them to try to get them through this well i mean the diagnosis is very clear scott uh i've never seen a more clear case of the bird flu and i think that the only diagnosis that is possible is uh good times good beverages and a game on tuesday night um i'm not sure if we can do the good times and the good baseball but what we can do is um it's scientifically proven that you can drown birds in alcohol so if you drink enough alcohol you will be able to basically subsume the bird flu to a certain regard so uh birds are normally attracted to juniper berries so i would highly <laughs> recommend um going out and purchasing a large bottle of gin uh to soothe your sorrows that's a good idea yeah and with that scotty i think it may be time how about uh orioles this week on the Twitters in 140 characters or fewer. All right, I'm going to take the first one. This comes from John Morosi, at John Morosi, contributor for MLB Network and Fox Sports. Orioles finished 2016 with most regular season wins of any AL team over the past five years, 444 and 366 losses. For as much as we basically give this team flack is a good way to describe it, it's a truly consistent team that is able to um, basically be fighting for a playoff spot every single year uh, since Buck Walter came into the organization um, and uh, also being above 500 uh, since 2012 as well. So uh, kudos to the Orioles. Uh, this has been really fun baseball to watch and um, y- y- we shouldn't, you know, bypass and just be like, eh, you know, where's the championships to call for it uh, again, really good teams uh, probably the most dominant time of being an Oriole fans, I, I think from since the seventies personally. So, um, and if I could just quote, sure. Uh, the great Buck Showalter, these are the good old days. Yeah. These are the good there, old days. There will be times where we look back very fondly on the, on these years. Yeah. Uh, next I want to, uh, go ahead and take a look at a quote that comes from Gore looking good at Gore looking good. Um, this was a response to a tweet from baseball reference who asked in honor uh, of the end of the season quote this tweet with your favorite stat slash factoid from this year here was the response the orioles home record when mustard ketchup or relish won the animated condiment race mustard 18 and 12 ketchup 16 and 8 relish 16 and 11 so by my math here that means ketchup has the best winning percentage of all the condiments absolutely all yeah right. are you surprised no because uh ketchup is what makes this country great Okay. Um, the name changes, but the reactions are the same. This comes from Andrew Stetka. You can follow him at Astetka. Everyone on my timeline 
doing the Wade Miley butt clench right now. Yeah, it's sounded about right. That's pretty much the Abaldo Jimenez butt clench from uh, made in June this year as well, or the Tyler Wilson or the Mike Wright. Um, yeah, that's, that seems familiar. That seems familiar. Next, we want to look at a tweet from Justin McGuire, who tweets at J McGuire SN, and it tweets as follows. If I recall correctly, the Orioles haven't had a meaningful game 162 since 1982. Think about that for a second. This was the most important last regular season game the Orioles have played in over 30 years. That's crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. So, Jake, I'm going to break format here, twist in regard. I am now terrified. I'm going to do two tweets at once. My first one comes from, we've got to give credit a little bit here, to Tommy Hunter, not seductive Tommy Hunter, Tommy Hunter, at T Hunter 29, wouldn't mind seeing at Ric Flair Nat, Nat Nature Boy in the at Orioles Clubhouse soon, which in response, Ric Flair tweets back, I'm in, man. Let's do it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's a Ric Flair? Really? Really. You don't know who Ric Flair is? No, I watch sports. What's Ric Flair? Oh, Jake, 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 Jake. You know who you, you should ask about who Ric Flair is? Who's that? Your mom. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Now I do get that. Woo! <laughs> All right. And now uh, we should go to, uh, well, we'll call this uh, under the who else mm. territory. This comes from Greg Wisniewski, uh, who tweets at Coolhead2010. Blue Jays fan, Blue Jays content creator over at BP Toronto, who tweeted as follows after the season's uh, results. At Bird's Eye View BAL, once more unto the breach, dear friends. Once more. We've never been here before in the Blue Jays in this situation. So maybe it's important for us to once again hurdle around the microphones with fellow podcasters and figure out what to make of this wild card situation. Despite our expectations, yes, be honest, all of us. The Orioles have made the playoffs for the third time in the past five years. The Game 162 scenarios all played out. The Orioles will travel to Toronto to face the Blue Jays in the AL wildcard game. Why wouldn't it be the Blue Jays? Why not that matchup? And who else would the Orioles have to face to possibly advance to the next round? To preview the AL wildcard matchup, we've invited back friend of the program, Greg Wisniewski. Greg White writes for BP Toronto and hosts the Artificial Turf War podcast. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on Bird's Eye View. A pleasure. Uh, first of all, congratulations to the Blue Jays. Yes, I have to say it. Woo! All else aside, it is really nice to see the Blue Jays and the Orioles relevant in the AL East in the playoff discussion. Uh, but let me ask you this. Is there any nervousness in Toronto? Because I got to tell you, uh, Baltimore is freaking out a little bit right now. I think the feeling is mutual. I think everything being up in the air, really, things did not look good for the Blue Jays on the road in Boston against the division champions, the champions, having lost the first game of the series. This is two days before the end of the season. I do not think that that nervousness has just suddenly disappeared. I think there's still a lot of angst here uh, because, you know, this is basically the third winner or or. Win or die game in a row for the Blue Jays, and uh, nobody wants to 
have those. That's not comfortable. Yeah, and, and on the Orioles side, it, it seemed like there were so many win-or-die games that they actually just curled up and died for. Uh, the Orioles had the chance to take the division plenty of times in September and just instead ran into the fetal position. They did manage to come through to uh, to put themselves into the playoffs, but every time they got themselves into the driver's seat, they quickly ran, the ro- ran off the road. So uh, I, I would say... Uh, that the Orioles are uh, not Orioles fans are nauseously confident. Let's let's put it that way. Um, I think that's reflected in the in the eighty nine and seventy three identical records, right? Yes, exactly. Teams. And, and they they did identical sort of things in September, um, and then the Red Sox just went on that explosive. Was it eleven games they finished at, or was it twelve? I, I, I don't I don't even remember. All yeah. I know is the Red Sox came in and swept the Baltimore Orioles, and at that point, um, yeah, we are we were basically left with tears tears in our hands. Um, so let me ask you a little bit about the wild card format. So the Baltimore Orioles are familiar with this format, um, having to go through it from the 2012 playoff series, um, beating the Texas Rangers. But this is the first instance where the Blue Jays have gone through the wild card for, card format since. Um, really the change actually has the blue Jays ever been a wild card i don't believe so correct so no. how do you guys feel about this wild card format of one game do or die um we'll see what happens how is that being taken up in, in toronto uh, well of course we've entered into the well is this really the playoffs discussion of course on, on which i am of the side yes of course this is the playoffs now are, you, are there teams that are no longer able to play yes yes congratulations you're in the playoffs now i think are, that's are you getting the same simple. banter about you know, the Blue Jays really shouldn't be celebrating uh, getting into the wild card game and they really should be popping champagne and pouring beer all over themselves because, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, the wild card's not big enough. You know, if they won the division or they won the Stanley Cup, this would be a bigger issue. By the way, does Toronto know anything about winning Stanley Cups? I don't know, everyone. I, I continue on. See, see how I poke that bear a little now, bit? How many Take minutes you did we anywhere. last before we had a hockey reference on a baseball podcast? <laughs> you got, that's how, pretty, how many minutes? That's Is the only minutes. Uh, it's about three minutes. Yeah, that's not that's not okay. terrible for me. But I, I think it's really interesting. You know, down here in Baltimore, this is the second time we've gone through it. The first time we we got into it for 2012, it was the first time ever for the one game play in. And everyone kept on saying, oh, it really should be a three-game play-in instead of the one-game. What's your take on that? Do you think this should be a three-game series as opposed to a one-game series? Or do you like that format being a one-game do-or-die playoff? Um, I'll backtrack, first of all, because you asked about did the media go over the – or should they really be celebrating? Sure. Absolutely, they did. The Toronto Star had an article today. And, of course, they their sort of tag to it was you shouldn't really be celebrating – over things that you don't get a banner for. And then I tweeted the author and I said, so there's a banner for the wild card when you win that game, and there's no banner for winning the divisional series. So when are we supposed to pop the champagne? <laughs> to which he responded and asked me, there's a banner for the wild card? So I had to send him a picture of the Orioles 2012 wild card yeah. banner. <laughs> He's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, there is a banner. This is a big deal. This is This is the real thing. So... I'm sure there will be forever people who don't want to see other folks enjoying them, the you know the the profits of their hard work. But in my case, go nuts! Um, I don't think a champagne shower ever caused a starting pitcher to uh, to not have his best stuff two days or three days later. Well, that's why I, they I have, that's why they have the goggles basically to preserve their eyesight, right? Exactly. Yeah. You exactly. can look in and see the signs. You're good to go. <laughs> so yeah. Um, 
Major League Baseball has Sorry, to be I... getting exactly what they wanted, right? I mean, with the wild card, it's it's instant game seven. It's it's uh you know intensity from the get go, and the way that the season ended, they they really got what they wanted out of that too, because it was it all came down to game one sixty two and possibly one sixty three in the AL and the and the NL. Yeah, and, and I think that as silly as the the wild card roster kind of uh, lines up, because you know you're not going to need any more starting pitching on the roster. That that probably could use some tweaking, but the actual idea of a, a winner take all game is great. That's everybody wants to see uh, the drama, and there's nothing like winner go home for drama. So it's fine. I, I and a three game series. Well, now we're pushed. How far into November do you want to go Correct. playing playoff? Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. So let me get back to that one point you made, which was um, setting a playoff roster. You don't have to bring all your starting pitchers into that playoff roster for the wild card game. You can say, you know, maybe I'll bring two starting pitchers or even just one starting pitcher, and I'm going to go with an extended bullpen. Based off that playoff roster construction that can happen for the wild card game, or even just in general, what are some strengths and weaknesses uh, currently on the Blue Jays team going into a one game uh, win or die wild card game? I would say the, the number one strength for the Blue Jays is probably Francisco Liriano, who some people were thinking would be tapped to start the game Me. because he's left handed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, as it is, Marcus Stroman has had a very strong second half. Uh, John Gibbons likes him because he comes up big in big games. That's the justification for that. But Liriano's right there in the pen, and he's stretched out. So he's he's kind of two things. One, if, if Stroman struggles as he gets to the third time through the order, which is sort of his famous weak spot, um, Liriano is ready to go. Uh, if he doesn't struggle and he gets deeper into the game, well, Liriano is a second reliable lefty out of the bullpen, and he's done both this year. So I would say if, if there's a secret weapon, it's Francisco Liriano. Um, Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, Scott Feldman are the other extra quote unquote pitchers the Jays are, are carrying. Aaron Loop has been horrible for a left hander. Um, though if you need someone to hit a left handed batter to get everyone excited, he's your guy. Um, I think he's hit more left handed batters than anybody since like 2013, except he's only been in the league half the time and he's a reliever. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. I've also heard that if you um, trade for Scott Feldman, you can actually get Jake Arrieta in return, but maybe that only works one time. I think that's a that's a non-revocable darn, thing. But darn. we should try it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. You should guys should try that. I mean, you never know what, you know, <laughs> Theo Epstein's going to do after he gets drunk and, you know, gets win, wins the World Series this year. Um so outside of some of the I guess the what's the strength besides, you know, I, I'm hearing Liriano in the bullpen and then a few other relief pitchers. Is there any other benefit from like the bench spots that are on like the bench in terms of like pinch hitting and stuff like that, you think, uh, for the Blue Jays team? The Blue Jays have Dalton Pompey on the bench. He is, uh, you know, he's an outfielder of the future. But as you may remember from last year, he uh, was pinch runner extraordinaire in the playoffs and in the ALCS. So if they do need a stolen base in this game, you'll you'll see Dalton Pompey pretty quickly. And then what what would you say is a, is a weakness of this team as it's constructed going into just this particular game against the O's? I think the offense overall is is probably the weakness. They have a good record against Tillman, but this offense is not clicking. It it's really struggling to score runs. So, um, you know, if, if they don't put some up on the board. Eh. Yeah, like what, what, I don't know what happened. What exactly happened? Because I went, we went into last week against the, the Jays, 
And I'll be honest with you, you know, I was expecting doom and gloom. I was hoping that we were going to come out of that series with one win. And it just never seemed like the bats ever woke up for Toronto whatsoever. What has changed? I mean, I, I remember earlier, I guess not early in the season because they were slumping then, but right there in the middle of the season, it seems like, you know, the Blue Jays came on like gangbusters from offensive standpoint. And now it's not kind of like exactly where they were to start the season. Like what has changed that it almost looks like they're just resting bats up on their shoulders. Like, are they just not seeing the ball? Well, it, uh, what's, what's, what has changed is my base, big question, Greg. Uh, <clears throat> if, if I knew what had changed, I would be uh, writing actual letters and sending them. To the <laughs> <laughs> um, my best guess is, is two things. One is there's a couple of guys nursing injuries that don't want to talk about, whatever the injury is for sure. Josh Donaldson is, is either has a hip or a knee or a leg problem going on somewhere. And that's not helping his power. Um, and there may be something going on with Russell Martin who has been, uh, dreadful the last few weeks after being, he went dreadful, awesome, dreadful. So I don't know what's on with that, but it's very easy for him to get banged up behind the plate. The, the blue Jays biggest problem is they really, really know the strike zone well and will take the walk even with two outs sometimes when they should, you know, swing at that fastball. They've gotten really into this uh, pick over the very best pitch mode and and maybe have gotten too picky. And the result is a lot of base runners and not a lot of clutch hits. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as, as Scott mentioned, there were times this season where I felt like if we could just get out of Toronto alive – I would be happy. Um, and again, it's a sick feeling here in Baltimore because, you know, of, of the one-game format. Um, but I'd like to ask you to do a little uh, a little soothsaying. A hypothetical? A little look into the future. It, don't worry. It's not going to happen. But should the Toronto Blue Jays advance beyond this game, uh, how do you think the Jays match up against the Rangers, and how far do you think this team could go? I think if if you can get past the wild card game, then the Blue Jays line up very favorably going through the rest of the playoffs because of the thing that everybody says. Great pitching beats great hitting. I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but the starting rotation has four guys who I have no problem giving a playoff start to. And last year, it was like maybe three guys that you have Estrada, Hap, Sanchez, and then I would give a start to Stroman, just like they're giving a start to Stroman right now. Uh, you don't have to worry about R.A. Dickey. And if something goes awry, you do have Francisco Liriano. It, it's, that's a crazy good set of options to pick from, from starting pitching. So I think that could get them a long way. You don't have to be great offensively in the playoffs. You just have to figure enough of it out. So I, I think if you can get past the coin flip game, and I think we all agree it is really just a coin flip, even though Chris Tillman is on one side of the coin. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, you can go a long way. So talk to me a little bit. We've talked about this before in previous podcasts you've come on um, about the whole Orioles-Blue Jays rivalry and how Blue Jays fans feel about certain Orioles, namely Adam Jones and Buck Showalter and Manny Machado, and how Orioles fans feel about, you know, Jose Batista, Edwin Carnacion slightly, but it really it comes back to Joey Bats to a certain regard. What does this game do for the ongoing Orioles Blue Jays rivalry on the field? Um, it's certainly been a chippy affair for several years now. Do you think this has the tendency to escalate? And do you think we're going to see fireworks potentially um, during this wild card game? I hope not. 
Uh, I, I hope the fireworks are with the pitches and the bats, not mm-hmm. with people milling about on the field, especially with the results of the Yankees. And I'll put brawl in quotes with the <laughs> Blue Jays um, last week that caused Joaquin Benoit to I don't know if people follow this in Baltimore, but Joaqu- no, Joaquin Benoit got hurt in that brawl. Now, this was by- a, this was a big deal. Like I said, when it happened right before our series, we noted that really quickly. And we're just like, oh, that's a huge loss for the Blue Jays going forward for the rest of the season. So, yeah, we were um, you don't like to be say, pleasantly surprised because of an injury like that. But you look at it and says, well, that Relieved. team. Well, no, it's just that team just got weaker is the best way to describe it. We uh, dodged a bullet. Yeah, we dodged a bullet. It, I mean, Benoit was – it would have been made much more difficult to have won a game in that series, basically. So um, that's a huge loss for, for the Blue Jays, is, and I think you would agree with that. And he fell down coming out of the bullpen. Right. He didn't even get to the infield. Right. That's how he tore his cap. So you don't have to actually have a fight. You just have to have – Guys doing dumb things. Devin Travis was trying to hold people back and missed two games with a, a, a tweaked shoulder, which was the shoulder he surgically uh, had surgically repaired in the offseason. If the Blue Jays can keep it all in perspective, and I think the Orioles are probably the same way, you don't want to lose a guy at all now over one game when you've got to figure out what to do in the next few games and you can't afford any weakness um, for your, you know, your next opponent. And even if this thing doesn't escalate, as as we had alluded to, I, I got a feel that it'll add some heat to the rivalry in general because the fan bases will certainly remember that one of these to- one of these teams got sent home by the other, and uh, and the teams themselves will also remember. I mean, the, the twenty seventeen season, you know, the first time the the O's and J's play, no matter who wins, there's going to be some salt on the other side. And and again, you know, not not necessarily meaning that there's going to be an altercation, but. I think it'll just turn up the volume a little bit on the uh, on the feelings of ill will between two pretty evenly matched, pretty similarly constructed teams. Well, with that, if they're that similarly constructed and that equal in talent, I've got to ask the big question, and I'm going to give it to Greg first. Greg, what's your prediction for the game? You said it was like a coin toss before, but if it's that close, who are you picking for this game? Uh, of course, I'm going to pick the Blue Jays. Of course. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to pick the Blue Jays to win by two runs. Uh, but certainly, I, I'm also going to give you the prediction that the Orioles will score off of this bullpen and, and cause much angst um, before this game is over. It, it will not be a cakewalk. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that it's, you know, I'm not sure quite if it's a, a coin flip. I would definitely side with Greg slightly in the aspect of I'd probably put it as. 54% to 46% to the Blue Jays' favor. <laughs> Somebody's been reading betting lines. <laughs> Gosh, who would have ever thought that I was betting money on sports? But yes, I mean, it's kind of just, I, I think that if you look at the talent level that is on the Blue Jays, um, and, and you look at, again, being at home field, even though home field doesn't matter that much, it still comes down to, at the beginning of the season, I projected that the Blue Jays were going to win this division, and I still think the Blue Jays are the better team than the Orioles, but in a one-game series, I think it's a complete coin flip. If it was a three-game series, I'd take the Blue Jays all day long, no question about it, and say the Blue Jays are easily going to win this series. Greg, would you feel any different about the game if it were at Camden? Yes. Really? Yeah, I, I, I would feel it would be straight 50-50. Wow. I hate that place. <laughs> I'm shocked because I, I was actually thinking, I was like, if it comes to Canyon Yards, I don't know if it benefits the Orioles any more um, because it's just such a friendly park to um, be a hitter, hitter's paradise. Not to say that 
you know, the, the Rogers Center isn't a hitter's paradise to a certain regard, too. But I'm just surprised that you would have thought it would change. It would have moved the needle that much. I don't think the Blue Jays like to play outdoors. OK, uh, to be perfectly honest. It's the I sun, isn't they- it? No, it's it's the, it's the numb fingers. Oh, the numb fingers. <laughs> it's a little chilly. It's it's funny because many fans refer to the many Orioles fans refer to the Rogers Center as the house of horrors uh, because we've had so many games unravel there. Um, so you know it's it's funny to hear you say that that your prediction is that the Orioles will score runs on the on the Blue Jays bullpen because there have been so many games that we have played in that stadium where it seems like the vaunted Orioles bullpen has uncharacteristically fallen apart. Um, in that blue monstrosity. Here's what I think should happen. And this is just obvious. So Buck Walter has um, had issues with the Rogers Center field before and has even talked about maybe <laughs> forfeiting before. So what I think yeah. is Buck Walter needs to go onto the field, like examine it and say, you know what? We're just not playing today. We're going to forfeit and just give the game to the Blue Jays because we don't want to subjugate our team to this. Do you see what I deal with <laughs> on, a, on a weekly basis? <laughs> do, you, do you see this? This is... Greg, what was wrong with that 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 prognos- prognostication? I mean, I think that was a great theory about what could potentially happen in some alternate dimension, which is Jake's angst world, basically. So for those that want to follow you, Greg, on uh, Twitter to keep up with updates during the wildcard game and potentially if the Blue Jays go further in the playoffs, how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at coolhead2010. Um, certainly you can go to, uh, at BP Toronto. There's a, there's a whole bunch of folks there who say more intelligent things than me, write more intelligent things than me as well. So if you're looking for the Toronto perspective or a little more depth, that's, uh, that's the other spot, spot to start. We do highly but before recommend. we go, we've said the word coin flip like 15 times. We have you said you would, you would let me give you a little lesson here and an opportunity to win something. Ooh. Cause if we don't know who's going to win the game, you could at least win the coin flip, right? That, that's exactly right. That sounds like a perfect option here. So, what, what kind of coin are we dealing with here for this coin flip? I need to know so that I can actually call heads or tails. Ah, uh, this is the Canadian loony. Oh God, is that a real thing? So, uh, uh, yes, it is a loony. Uh, we this is the dollar coin in Canada. We don't use dollar bills. Of course not. You haven't been to Canada because you're a Why civilized would you use a dollar bill because you're a civilized country. I got you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on on the uh, the one side, which I, I think we call the obverse, we have um, the Queen of England. Okay. Queen Elizabeth II. All right. Uh, she has no crown on this one. I don't know why that is. The crown keeps getting smaller as she gets older. Um, and on the opposite side, we have the Canadian loon. Oh, ah, okay. Looney. So uh, you may call heads or loons. Can we call it a wawa? Uh, is that allowed? No, that's not allowed. That's a, that's a geese. Okay. But um, I, I think we've got to go with our, our trademark thing when the Orioles win is put a bird on it. So I think we've got to take the loon in this example. So I guess we're going to take tails. In this instance, and see what happens. All right, the tail of the loon for you. We're going to flip it. And this is great audio. It is heads. Oh, well, I'm disappointed that I'm disappointed that I lost the coin flip, but I'm glad (laughs) that in the odds of probability, that means we will win the baseball game, right? That's how it works, right? Uh, That is a horrible fallacy, but I'll let you you go to sleep with that. Will do, Greg. Hey, Greg, thanks so much for joining us here on Bird's Eye View. Best of luck to your Blue Jays as, next year as much as possible and, and we'll go with that always good fun talking to you guys uh, made the best team win exactly yes sir
All right, like we just talked about with that recent coin flip, which I'm still a little upset that I lost. But we that... have no way of knowing if it was really heads. Wait, are you saying a Canadian would lie to me? Well, no, it's, it's happened before. Yeah, it's happened before. So the playoffs uh, are a massive crapshoot. I mean, it is literally any team can get hot at the right time and go on a run of sequencing and get to the World Series or even win the World Series. Um, it is definitely not an accurate reflection of the best team wins the World Series. In fact, most of the time, the best team doesn't win the World Series, which is why you've seen wildcard teams get to the World Series and win. Um, it, it pretty much just is, you know, I hate to say it, it's kind of luck of the draw. It just comes down to how certain games work out and which key plays seem to happen. Yeah, Buck Showalter says it all the time. It's a completely different season, right? You have preseason, you have the season, you have September, and then you have the postseason. And it's different each time and not things that hold, you know, things that hold true in one season don't necessarily always carry over to the next. Yeah, 2014 was a perfect example of this. Um, when we went into that Tiger series, I was like, yeah, I just don't see it. Like, mm-hmm. we might win a game or two, but I just don't see us like competing against the Tigers uh, and, and being able to beat that starting pitching. And to go against the Tigers and sweep them, nonetheless, um, was mind boggling. When we took that second game, uh, against them, I was like holy a year ago or two years ago today. Yes, I was just like, holy cow! I cannot believe we were up two and zero against the Tigers. But even going back to Detroit, I kept thinking to myself, well, the Tigers could easily get back in this. And then coming back and winning that game three, I was just like, I was a little numb and shell shocked to a big. I was like, I can't believe we won that series. And we went into that Royal Series. You and I were both giddy. Is the best way to describe because just like nice, the Orioles are peaking at the right time. You know, we're coming against the Royals. Yeah, they're a small ball team, but we think we can basically outplay them to a certain regard. And lo and behold, we got bapped to death, basically. That whole series is the best way to describe it. And there's nothing to be said besides the, the Royals were somewhat a team of destiny um, in 2014, getting all the way to the to, getting all the way to World Series. Um, they certainly made up for it again in 2015. But again, the playoffs, you know, strange things happen in the playoffs all the time. Uh, second half success generally doesn't mean anything in the playoffs. Anything can happen. Like you said, as Buckshaw Walter says, it's a brand new season. Anything can happen and weirdness happens. So here at Bird's Eye View, we always to like to look foolish to you um, by making wild predictions on stuff that, well, generally never happens. So we thought it'd be a great idea to look at the potential playoffs coming up and um, make some wild predictions on the expectations that we have for the coming week. And we'll go from there. Some wild predictions on wild card week. Yep, exactly. So my prediction number one is this, Jake. So Adam Jones has historically been a pretty poor playoff performer. He is uh, throwing up a whopping 414 OPS in the playoffs. But Jake, my prediction is Adam Jones will finally get that clutch hit um, and he will no longer be defined as that playoff goat um, uh, with that meager 414 OPS. I think Adam Jones gets a big hit and has some playoff success um, in order to basically brush that off his uh, his track record. Uh, I certainly hope that you're correct. Uh, my first uh, prediction is going to be a little bit in the same vein. Adam Jones hasn't been able to be counted upon uh, in the playoffs offensively, and neither have any of the Orioles' main stars. If you look back at their uh, playoff performances offensively, it's kind of a horror show. Yeah. I mean, you just go right down the line. Weeders, Davis, Machado. I mean, no no bueno. No bueno. So my prediction is going to be that fringe players will continue to get it done. 
much like Flaherty, who has been the only bright, bright spot in uh, the offensive side of Orioles playoff games since 2012, much like Flaherty, expect the Orioles offensive spark to come from some unlikely source like Stubbs or Reimold or Bourne, maybe a pinch hit from Kim or, you know what? Maybe from Ryan Flaherty. There's no way Warren Flair is on this team on the playoffs, is he? You think so? Sure. Okay. We'll Dance see. with the one that brought you. All right. So prediction number two. Um, we talked a little bit about this in the interview with Greg. Uh, my prediction is going to be the benches were, are going to clear during the wild card game. There's going to be some tissy or, th- you know, someone's going to pitch inside and uh, the benches are going to clear at some point during the wild card game. See, I think you got pretty good money on this because if you wait long enough yeah. into the evening, the benches will clear. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, my prediction number two, I think Matt Wieters stays on his game 162 tear. He absolutely goes crazy, and he continues to drive up his price tag for the offseason. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, that would be a monumental performance. Um, hey, that'd be great if that is the case. Um but Matty Wieters hasn't shown the ability to kind of put up back-to-back games like that ever. Yeah, but I've shown a really good um, track record for being able to predict this stuff, Ooh, so we're good. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, prediction number three, uh, and this is, I think is going to be our final one for the for this segment. Um, Jake, I'm going to predict that Zach Britton, who many are clamoring for being a Cy Young candidate um, in, in this weak uh, starter class of the AL, will not even manage to get into the wild card game. Yeah, it's going to be a shame when the Orioles are up by eight runs. You can't get Britain in. It's just, you know, it's terrible. That, yeah. My uh, prediction is as such, and this kind of goes with yours, maybe, kind of. Quote-unquote ace, Chris Tillman, gets rocked in the first inning, and a quick hook brings in the bullpen. So you're thinking a 50-pitch first inning here? And the Orioles still win. Ooh, wow. I don't know how that's possible, but okay. Sure. All right. So what do you think, Birdland? What will happen, absurd or not? Tweet us. Uh, let's give this one a hashtag. How about hashtag wild O's? Ooh, I like that one. So yeah, hopefully you can be a little bit more, uh, I guess, optimistic than uh, me and Jake were. And um, we'll go with that. So I said Weeders would have a good game. That's kind of optimistic. And you did say the Orioles were going to win. Yeah. 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 Give me some credit. Yeah. I will give you that credit. So I will give you credit in another fashion, if you don't mind. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting on the baby. You sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting on daddy. You are the king. Baby, you've got me beat up and down, inside out and across. Jake, you uh, you picked up the win this week in Fantasy Boston, clinched the season. So uh, we went with losses for three and a half, and I think everyone was rooting for you this week. Yeah, but to be fair, I did win because I misunderstood the question. Yeah, but I don't. There were no other wild cards too. So even if I would have won, it would still came out to be thirteen to twelve to one. So the score goes to fourteen eleven to one. 
Um, I, I think we're going to put a nail in this, in this dumb, dumb segment based off of, you know, the success rate that Jake is having this season and in previous seasons as well. So is there a banner for this? Because I think it's time to pop the champagne, to pour the beer, to give really awkward interviews. This is what it's all about. Jake, we do not pop champagne and put banners up for fantasy boss segments. <sighs> That's a shame. That's a, shame. I had a really great spot on my wall to put that banner. It's going to look great. That trophy case is just going to have to remain empty once again <laughs> it was like participation 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 and then there was going to be fantasy theater books. award theater award theater <laughs> award hey there was band band karaoke band, award <laughs> fantasy boss right next to it so once again fantasy boss this is it no more fantasy boss Derek arnold we will find something else to entertain you and entice you in the future and we'll go from that uh with that let's go ahead and dive into the good the bad and the ugly That's right. It's time again. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is a segment where we talk about who had a good week, who had a bad week, and who embarrasses us to be Oriole fans. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get started this week with my good, and it's pretty simple. My good this week was Matt Wieters. Matt Wieters was desperately needed, and he came up big. Game 162 was enough for me. Two home runs, two two run home runs. The game may have ended at five to one. Uh, but it ended up being 4-1 in favor of Matt Wieters. Uh, he came up big. We've talked about it all season. It, it always seems to be Wieters with the late-inning uh, decisive home run. He always seems to be at the uh, Masson interview because he had the the game-changing moment, and that was incredibly true in the first of the absolutely must-win games uh, being followed up here by the, the wild card. All right, that, that's all great and good, but I think it's a little short-sighted. How can you not pick Hunsu Kim this week? I don't consume Kim, the pinch hit two run home run against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, it was just an amazing comeback victory for the Blue Jays. Uh, you don't like to say saving the season, but the entire momentum of the season changed as soon as he hit that home run. There was a great stat cast number that I, I'm not sure if you saw, but it was, if you look at the exit velocity of Hansu Kim's ball and you look at the launch angle, there were 92 balls similar to that in Major League Baseball. Not a single one went for a home run. Yet, that ball went out for a home run. If that's not Orioles magic, I don't know what is. Hansu Kim is the obvious good for this week in Orioles baseball. I have a theory about that home run. Sure. I think that the ball was driven out purely by the excitement of the South Korean uh, announcers that called it. That's a possibility. That's a heavy possibility, except I think they watch it on shh, shh, shh. television. It's a, it's a great theory. Okay. It's a great theory. Go ahead and take your bad. My bad is Manny Machado. And we talked about it uh, a little while ago, several weeks ago, where we talked about who has to have a big second half for this team to be a playoff team. And we made our selections. I picked Manny Machado, and he did. He had, he had a good second half, uh, but he did not have a good week and so he is my bad negative 24 weighted runs created plus uh 120 obp he had a wobo of 143 any way you look at it yuck 
Yeah, he didn't look very um, like he knew what was going on at the plate. So hopefully that will quickly change. Um, hopefully. Uh, my bad for the week is going to go to the Red Sox for absolutely squandering any opportunity uh, for the Orioles to have a home playoff game. Um, proverbially lay an egg on Saturday. And uh, Sunday's performance was just equally dreadful, going getting no hit up into the seventh inning um, on David Ortiz's final regular season game. Uh, Red Sox, uh, first of all, Orioles fans rooting for Red Sox is disgusting in itself, but the Red Sox doing as poor of a job at trying to win a game uh, against the Blue Jays at that time, um, equally poor. So normally I would put them in ugly, but again, let's talk Orioles here. So I'm just going to put them in the bad category. Yeah, if I'm going to openly root for you, Red Sox, you better pull through. Yeah. Speaking of you better pull through, we referred to Sunday as a must-win game. But you know what? Saturday was a must-win game, too. It was a must-win game if you wanted to make sure that you were that number one wild card without any help. And the Orioles did not come through with that. And specifically, there was one gentleman who got in the way of that. That was Brad Brock. Brad Brock gave a quote at the end of that game and said something to the effect of, you know what, plain and simple, I sucked. And I would agree with his assessment. Second, second uh, half Brad Brock has been a shadow of first half Brad Brock, and nothing was more apparent uh, than that, that, uh, that game on Saturday. It was unpleasant to watch, and hopefully that's all behind him because he's a pivotal part of that back end of the bullpen, and I would hate to wonder if he's the right guy to bring in if he's needed in the, in the playoffs. Well, as much as Brad Brock deserves some, some ostracizing, Buck Walter's handling of the whole situation definitely deserves to get an ugly. Um, I had kind of mentioned this in previous episodes, really raising the questions like, what's going on, Buck? Buck is getting a, was getting a little too cute for his own comfort um, uh, on Saturday's game. And I don't think anybody has a good reason for why Wade Miley was out there at the time that he was. Uh, I understand that he's trying to preserve the bullpen to a certain regard. But when you point out saying... You really need to very much win the rest of your games if you want to have a home playoff game. It certainly seemed like Buck was playing with fire, and uh, he certainly got burnt in the process. Let's hope that that trend doesn't continue on and that Quick Hook Buck comes back for the playoffs, um, just like we saw Quick Hook Buck be present during the 2014 playoffs as well. And I mean, it's not like the writing wasn't on the wall. No, the writing was R- on the wall. Wade like, Miley was at 96 pitches and came back for the seventh inning. And it's not just that, too. It was also the situation where uh, he was not dominating. He was sure. basically trying to basically do Houdini's every single inning for the past few innings. Yeah, so he, he tight-roped his way through the sixth and the fifth as well. Right. So it, when he got to 3-2, to two and it's like, okay, he got through the sixth inning. Thank goodness he got through the sixth inning. We'll go to the bullpen and we'll try to hold on this game. And then he comes back out for the seventh. You're just like what is going on here? It's like the bullpen phone broken. So Buck Walter definitely deserves an ugly this week uh, just because of Saturday's game. However, I don't want to mention for putting a uh, Hunsu came in to pinch it um, in the in Blue Jay series. Muy bien, Buck. Muy bien. Um, you got anything else for good, bad, and the ugly? No, it, it's uh, the only thing that's, that's uh, needs to be said for good, bad, and the ugly is that it is excellent. Not just good. It is excellent that the team came back, won that Toronto series, won that New York series, and after blowing its way out of the playoff picture, scratched and clawed back in. Mm, yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and blow the save if you don't mind. Do it. So 
I've been giving it a lot of thought. Jake, you wrote an excellent article uh, regarding um, the Baltimore Orioles and it's kind of the ebbs and flows of the season is the best way to describe it. And um, well, let's let's get to the heart of this. This podcast has really always been about when is the other shoe going to drop for the Baltimore Orioles? When are the Orioles of the Dark Ages going to reappear? Into a certain aspect, this podcast was started as a commiseration project between two guys saying, I want to sit down and at least talk about Orioles baseball because really, it's really hard to watch Orioles baseball in general. And I, I, I kind of feel in general that the 2016 season has been that way for a lot of Orioles fans. It has been a commiseration of man, this team was so good and now they're so bad and we were just waiting for the other shoe to drop during the second half and for them to be eliminated for the playoffs. The only problem with that is the Baltimore Orioles didn't get the memo just like they didn't get the memo in 2012. They were resilient, they showed grit and they managed to push themselves into the playoffs once again. Again, it's not always about how pretty it looks getting there. It's just a matter of getting into the dance. Yeah, we didn't win the division like we did in 2014. But getting into the playoffs should be a celebrated instance in Baltimore. Just like when we talked to Greg Rosniewski about it, um, anytime you get into the playoffs and anytime you have the chance to play for a World Series is a big moment for any team. So the Orioles getting to the playoffs three years out of the past five years, this is big. If this were to happen to, oh, I don't know, a certain football team, there would be crowing galore right now. But since it's the Orioles... And since we're still remembering of the Dark Ages, and since Peter Angelus is still the owner, we are still hesitant, and we are still waiting for that shoe to drop, and we are waiting on the edges of our seats, waiting for the next bad thing to happen. All I can tell you is, bad things may happen during the wildcard game. The Orioles may be blown out. But just going and being able to participate in the contest is something that me, and I'm sure you, Jake, would have given our left arm for when we first started in 2012. Hey, there are 20 other fan bases right now that are thinking about personnel and management change and GM changes. They're starting to do the math for for what they can afford next year. And here's the thing. We're not one of them. That's right. And that is a great place to be. So regardless of what happens tomorrow night, good or bad, and just enjoy the ride and enjoy the game. And remember... Don't turn it off until it's all the way over. If one thing this team has shown, they have the ability to come back and show resilience even when this team looks like they're dead dead to rights, basically. Scotty, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yes. Prediction time. Um, my prediction is the Orioles will lose to the Toronto Blue Jays 4-3. to three. Mm. Birds, 5-3. Good guys. Love it. We'll love it. Hey, Scotty. What are we going to do about the uh, Twitter giveaway? Oh, so yeah, for the Twitter giveaway, we have a great Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope handshake jersey that we were going to give out. Um, I'll tell you what, anybody that responds to us with the hashtag O's Wild, you'll get a chance to enter into it or just do a random one. Why don't we reward somebody from the 4,000 push, uh, one of the people? One of those people? Uh, Done. I'll reward one of those people. With that... Baltimore and Beyond, I have nothing left. Uh, I bid you a fond wild card adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's.
you still here? It's over. Go home. Go.